0: Some people will sometimes ask, like, how as a pastor are you able to go into the situations that you go into? And it's like, it's grace, you know, it's the love of Jesus, and it gives me calm, and gives me peace. And, and just in moments like this, it's just like, oh, it gives me such love for you all. And so I, I pray that as, uh, as we get the transition, we get the honor of being here with you, uh, which it's an honor, it's a blessing. You guys are treasures, um, that you feel the love of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, poured out uh, every moment that i'm here and always, and that it forms you into that that same love that love affords me some uh uh some freedoms to be really awkward at times and it's it's a lot of fun that the love of Jesus is very freeing uh the first funeral I did as a pastor i uh I you know put together the outline and went through it and got the end of it and it was it was really good. And, and at the end, I had the word uh, benediction written down on the outline. And I had no idea what the word meant. <laughs> you know, I'd gone through uh, the years of seminary and, and uh, you know, growing up in the church, but still had no idea what a lot of these elements were. And so I, I get down to the element, and I, and I was like, well, we've got to do something. It's in the bulletin. And so I just said, in the name of Jesus, I benedict you. <laughs> and walked out. <laughs> I did it with confidence (laughs) 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 and boldness, and and so, you know, uh, the love of the Lord, it affords us, you know, a lot of grace, and uh, I I want you all to feel the freedom, you know, to be yourselves, you know, to to let, you know, all the good and let all the mess uh, be exposed and brought into the light, and when you do that, uh, you're going to experience healing, you know, uh, healing's here. Healing's here because Jesus is here. And when we walk into that, uh, that light and confidently receive that love and that grace, then anything is possible. And, and today, right now, there's a new thing that is possible, and it's among us. And, uh, and we've been sensing it. Last week when AJ was, uh, was talking, was preaching, it, it's so wonderful to hear AJ's heart. You know, he, he walks with nothing hidden, and there's no guile in him, and so he was sharing a heart that was radically transformed and is radically on fire for Jesus. And, and just being around him, that fire is imparted. And he said something in the middle of it about a grace that he has to be a protector of the prodigals, and especially through, uh, through prophecy, but in many different ways, and I was thinking about it. This is a topic for another time, my friend. But I was reminded of the woman that, well, who, uh, you know, she had had several husbands, and the man that she was living with wasn't her husband. And then the Lord gave her that as a prophetic word. <laughs> And, you know, when you receive a prophetic word, when you receive the kingdom, it reveals your heart. And if you have a heart to know what is real, what is true, what is good, uh, you're going to ask in that moment, all right, well, if you're a prophet, then tell me whatever. The woman at the well asked at that time, you know, where can I worship? And so when, when the prophetic word was given, what it revealed was that all along she was wanting to know where to worship? Through all those men, through all the things that she had gone through, what she was really after was just where do I worship? And we can protect prodigals by revealing them the real thing, yeah. <laughs> and not judge them for their actions, but instead to use that word and reveal to them who is the, the king, who is the place where we can truly worship. And so I want to cultivate that as well. We don't we don't have to stand in judgment. I'm, I'm a prodigal myself. I'm also a former, former uh, older brother, <laughs> and so I can talk to you about being religious as well. <clears throat> I, uh, I want to ask that you would uh, please turn to John chapter 2 in your Bibles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak initially out of, uh, out of John, and, uh, and then I'm going to go back into Exodus, and then we're going to go back. To John chapter 2 and a lot of times you'll notice that when in the New Testament Jesus whoever else is speaking they're referring to something that's happened before and so if we can just get in the habit of, of looking back a little bit of, of opening up our word more and more we'll begin to see the deeper meaning that's going on and really catch what it is that the Lord wants to communicate and in this passage it's it's one of my favorites you, you guys know this is uh, these are the words of God this is the word of God that created everything the universe created you You're uniquely made to fit the word of God snugly within you. And so when you hear the word of God with your heart completely open, you'll feel the fullness and you'll feel completeness. And so be careful how you hear, Jesus would say. And so these are the words, this is the word of Jesus. And so in chapter 2, verse 1, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. What is this concern of yours to do with me, woman? (laughs) I don't suggest saying that, you know. Uh, Just to know that in the context, that was a term of affection, a term of endearment. You know, it's just, it's a cultural thing, okay? You know, and so... (laughs) Can we make that intercultural thing? I don't, I'm not going to bring that note. So Jesus asked, <clears throat> he, he asked that question. He said, uh, my hour has not yet come. Do whatever he tells you, his mother then told the servants. So now six stone water jars had been sent there for Jewish purification, and each contained 20 to 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. And So they filled them to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief servant. And they did. When the chief servant tasted the water after it had become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the groom and told him, everyone sets out the fine wine first. Then after people have drunk freely or drunk their fill or drunk enough or even too much, some translations say, the inferior uh, is brought out. um, But you have kept the fine wine, the best wine, until now. Jesus performed this first sign, in Cana of Galilee. He displayed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So I want to bring us into that that story a bit and uh, begin to unpack some things. First of all, we know that the hour for Jesus had not yet come, and so why was it that he would do something before his time? What would draw him what would compel him to do that. And, you know, many people say, well, he was honoring his mom, and I think that's fair to speak into that. Uh, But I want to get more actually to, I think, what was in Mary, what was in her heart to, you know, describe what I think was actually motivating Jesus more fully in that time. Some of you may know that the word Mary in the Hebrew means bitter. And this is the first sign that was given in the Gospel of John, there were seven signs that were given to validate that Jesus came from the Father to reveal his new covenant and new kingdom with him. The first sign, a woman named Mary, a woman named Bitter, asked Jesus to turn water to wine and he does. The last sign, the seventh sign, if you guys remember from John 11, was when Lazarus was raised from the dead. Lazarus' sister was Mary, Mary means bitter. Mary was the one who had the spikenard ointment, the oil, and spread it over the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said, "For now, from now on, for all of history, people will remember what you've done, for you've worshiped me in this way." Uh, and so bitterness had become worship. After the last sign, there is the actual resurrection of Jesus, which is the eighth sign. And it marks the new day and the new beginning. Eight is the, the, the symbol, the number of new beginnings in the scriptures. The first person to witness to the resurrection, can you guess her name? Mary. Okay. What's going on here? Mary means bitter throughout the entire Old Testament. That, that was a picture actually of woman. Uh, of of you know, Woman is said to be in uh, Corinthians, the glory of man and man the glory of God. And the, so that the pinnacle of creation, and this is my opinion now, is woman, and there was bitterness throughout that Old Testament time period that woman had, just as a, a generality. Here Jesus comes along, and through the main signs that he has, he returns bitterness and the pinnacle of creation into glory. And they're the first to notice it. It's always the woman who's the first to notice it. <coughs> yeah. amen okay (laughs) so in this concept or in this uh, this passage in the context here Jesus he had come out of the the desert out of the wilderness he had been given the spirit before he went into the desert and he was told this is my son in whom I'm well pleased and then the spirit told him to go into the desert to be tested for 40 days as he fasted and the devil came after him with everything that the devil could Jesus came out of the desert, out of the wilderness now, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Luke records that people came all around him. They, they heard of his testimony, and they, they, they came around him. And so coming out of this place, the first miracle that he does is very, very important, and it's done by his own mother. His own mother initiates it. And so let me give some context to this. We're going we're to peel back a little bit further. If you would, we're going to come back to John 2, but I want you to, if you would, also turn to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus being the second book of our scriptures. At the very end of Exodus 15, Moses has just then delivered the people from bondage in Egypt. And they crossed through the Red Sea. All right, so they've been told, this is my, you know, they've been said specifically, this is my son, but these are my people now. I will be their God. And now I will bring them into the desert. And so I just want to see, help you guys to see a pattern that's going on here. And the first place they go to, the very first place they go to, is a place called Marah, which is the same word for Mary, which means bitter. Okay. So there in verse 22, "...then Moses led Israel on from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. They journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Marah, but they could not drink the water at Marah because it was bitter." That is why it was named Marah. The people grumbled to Moses, What are we going to drink? And so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became sweet or drinkable. And God made a statute and ordinance for them at Marah, and he tested them there. He said, If you will carefully obey the Lord your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his commands, and keep all of his statutes, I will not inflict any illnesses on you that I inflicted on the Egyptians. For I am Yahweh who heals you, or is your physician. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there by the waters. This is the first mention in the scriptures that God is healer. He had said earlier in Genesis to Bilema that I will heal his family, but this is the first time that we actually, God describes himself as healer. And it's the context, within the context of bitterness. All right, so if you all know your Bibles well, you'll know that, uh, that land itself is a representation oftentimes of our own soul. Wilderness in particular is a representation, it's a metaphor for our own soul. And so oftentimes you'll see Israel and the prophets, but also in literal history going through a wilderness time period to describe what is actually in their soul and what is being purged out for the wilderness time period, 40 days and this kind of stuff, is to, in 40 years, is to test out and to remove everything that is not supposed to be there. There's also other images like mountains, like valleys, like the promised land, which is also an indicator of our own soul. So we go from wilderness into promised land as a representation of what we do throughout the life of our Christ, Uh, going from wilderness, from going to emptiness, getting it all tested out, and we go into the promised land. So it's just, it's a metaphor to help describe what our spiritual journey is like. And in the, the weeks ahead, you're going to see that unpacked more and more because it's been put on both John's heart and my heart to begin to really unpack what this means as part of our own transformation and growth pathways here at the church. So, and, and you guys know that the ocean or the sea, big lakes, that kind of stuff, is a representation of the, the spirit within us. And so you dreamers in the, in the room, you know, that, you, know uh, you know these things well already. But we're going to have some fun unpacking this also as just ways to anchor where you are personally in your journey. The first person, the first place that the Lord leads the Israelites to out of Egypt is a place of bitterness. It's to show them a mirror that what is actually going on in their own soul through sin is is bitterness. They they had been enslaved for generations, they had come to a place where they, they they were bitter. They didn't know their father, they didn't know him as a father. And the results of it is pain, is, is sadness, it's it's sickness within, which then links to sickness around them, and and so God mentions Himself first as healer, physical healer, in the context of an inner sickness that's there. Okay, the the gradually going to come together more and more throughout the Old Testament until they fully are realized at the same time in history in Jesus. Jesus, when he would heal, he would heal both at the same time. As this happened with you many times, maybe we'll get the, the healing physically first, and then we work out our salvation, and we work out our, our, our souls. As has happened with me and many others and many other times in my own life, sometimes I'll get the, the soul healing first, and I'll grow into that. I'll grow into joy, and then the physical healing will come. But over the course of my life, I'm expecting there to come a time when they, it all converges and I've got that anointing, that glory to go out and in a moment heal both. That's what I'm aiming at, the fullness of Jesus, all right? And so, and so we're beginning to, to align ourselves as a body into this and so we have to understand how we can therefore partner with God and how he's revealed how illnesses, how sicknesses are, are treated in his mind's eyes, in his heart. And so he tells us that if we listen to him, if we obey what he's saying, if we do what is right, then we will not experience the same illnesses that came upon Egypt. And so that's an awesome promise, all right? I want to know what in my life is there that's getting in the way of that. I want to know what bitterness is there, all right? And so there's a process I want to uh, kind of unpack for you. When I began my time in in seminary, I didn't know any of all this stuff that was going on. I just would sit there in the presence of Jesus, and he would take me to places that I didn't even know were there, and the first of which that I want to point out was when uh, I, was, I, was, I was sitting with the Lord, I, you know, sometimes I'll just kind of lay down, I, I process better just on my, my back, and it feels good, and so, and so I was just hanging out with Jesus and uh, relaxing in His, in his spirit, and, uh, and so I was trying to get to a place of stillness, but I was having this, this like, sadness, this bitterness keep coming up, of just feeling alone. And it's like, ah, oh, Lord, what is that? And, and He's like, I'm glad you asked, and... <laughs> And he, uh, and and so, if I can, you know, put another picture out there for you without adding too much. Um, every part of our soul is made to be fitted with the word of God. The, the word of God isn't a, a black and white, you know, uh, piece of paper, you know, thing, written word on a piece of paper. It, it is a living essence. It's a spirit, uh, and and so his visceral, tangible, thick Holy Spirit word is meant to fit into our soul in a unique place. And we've got a multitude of them. We are, we are a complex in, in the same way that God is. We, we have aspects of our, of our soul like acceptance, like unconditional love, uh, like harmony, as Harold was saying, uh, that are meant to be fitted with and filled to completion with the word of God. And, and perhaps we can look at it like this. You know, Maybe it's a wilderness, maybe it's a landscape, maybe it's a promised land. Uh, another way that many have described it as well, which I like, is that we're, we're a mansion with many rooms in it. And each room, you know, is to be filled with this word. And so I was sitting there with the Lord, and there was a room that I had in my life, you know, that was supposed to be filled with, I am with you. You know, with, with, with you know, I, I'm full in you, David. But when I opened up that door, it was dark and scary and filled with pictures of memories of rejection and aloneness. And so that space in my heart was heavy, And it was dark. It was not the way that it was meant to be. It was my own personal wilderness, my own personal bitterness that was there. And so I walk into that room, and there on the wall is a memory that I have of maybe being 12 years old. And I was at a baseball game on my birthday. We had a team of 10 players. And I had gone through the first times at bat, and, you know, I was the last person. (laughs) I really think I was the last person in my school of 2000 to actually develop. (laughs) So... And so when I was a kid, I used to just dominate and love playing sports, that kind of stuff. But then I didn't grow for a long time. And everyone else outgrew me, and, uh, and, and they, they were awesome, you know, and practiced all that stuff. And so I couldn't hit this curveball. And I was reminded of that, that I, I swung twice. I swung uh, every time I missed it. And then the coach benched me. And he was like, David, you know, great job. You know, we're going to put the squirrel in the game, and, you know, it'll be better than you. And, uh, so, and so it was uh, approaching like dusk and nighttime, and, and I was, there were was 10 players, so I was the only person on the bench when everyone went back out. It was my birthday. Uh, Dad had a lot going on. He was traveling around the world doing his job, and he had always I know, wanted to be there, but for like the fifth uh, birthday in a row, he wasn't there. And then Mom you know, was busy with my brother picking him up at some place, and she, she wasn't there either. And so I was by myself alone and just feeling failure, defeat, sadness, on the end of the bench, and I'm like, oh, man, this is not good, and, and I remember that time just pulling my hat down and crying, and so that was a memory that I had. It was a place of bitterness. It was a place where my soul was, was hurting, and so I'm sitting there on the ground hanging out with Jesus. I'm like, this has come up, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, what, what do you want me to see in this? And he said, look to your left, and I'm on the bench, and I look to my left, and Jesus is right there, and I was like, oh Lord, it's good to be there. How do you guys, you know, um, how, do you, how much do you guys know that, that you're not defined by your past um, at all? You, you actually, there is no past. There's only right now what you have. And so I, I was carrying stuff in the past, but it, was, it wasn't mine to carry any longer. It, it never really was meant to be to begin with, and the Lord has wanted to show that to me. And so the past would have said I'm alone, lonely, failure and there, at the, t- at the same time, in the present moment, Jesus was there in the memory, but it was actually in the present. You know, how, how do you, you know, you guys also know that you can go back into the memories of the past in the present moment and renew them for today and then for the future. And so, in that moment, I said, "Lord, here's aloneness, here's failure, here's all this. I, I offer it to you. What do you, what do you want to have me have instead?" And He just put an arm around me, and I said, "I love you. I'm here." And and I, I got filled with joy. I got filled with courage. I got filled with support. And I knew that he was with me. And so my bitterness was turned sweet when I looked at the tree of Jesus as he hung there on the cross. Came off and sat beside me. What he took for us on the cross was everything that has ever happened to us. Everything that we have ever done to another. Every act of rage. Every betrayal. Everything that we have done. Everything we have received. It is all taken as we give it to him on that tree and nailed there and it stays there. So here in Exodus 15, it says, if you look upon that tree, put it into the bitterness, it'll turn sweet. What do you think God is telling us way back in the Old Testament? you know, He's telling us that he's a healer. He says, if you keep with this, I will not let these illnesses come upon you. I will heal your soul, you will become sweet, and then you'll become a vessel, therefore, of healing yourself. Over time, that memory, therefore, You know, i got to put up a new picture on the wall of that room. And it now has a picture of of Jesus on the bench with me. Uh, But then I've gone back there. And now it's not Jesus and me hanging on the bench. Now it's the Father encouraging my own teammates that are out there. Whereas before, I couldn't do that because my head was down and I was crying. Now I'm with the Father cheering them on. And it's it's a new formation within me. I can stand in the middle of defeat and now look at all that's going on and give a chance to, to others. And cheer them on. And something got formed with them to go beyond even what I was experiencing. So there was peace that came, healing that came. But then even beyond that, there was blessing of others. And so there's different levels that we go into as we continue to allow the Lord into that part of our heart and our life. And it's awesome. It's good. You guys feeling encouraged? This is it? This is, this is your heritage? This is your inheritance? This is what you've been given? It's all here. It, every single part of it. It's all within you. And then he goes on to say... Then you, uh, then they came to Elam in verse twenty-seven, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there by the waters. So, how many brothers, how many sons of Israel came to Egypt? How many came to begin with? There were twelve. There was first Joseph, which is good, right? And then the whole, when the whole family came, there were twelve. Twelve is a symbol of authority. New authority. The authority of Israel is coming to Egypt. There were 12 that came from Israel into Egypt. And how many family members do they have? 70. Okay? 12 springs of water, all right, are now theirs. So it's, it's a picture of the soul. A new authority has been established. Jesus is coming out of the desert. The first thing he does is go get 12 disciples, establishing a new authority. He's going to launch out the 70, which is this picture of fullness of family. So are going to take this kingdom everywhere. There's new authority and new fullness that comes out of the desert. Okay? There is new fullness, new authority that you have that comes right from within his. And we are in harmony together. We get to take the land. Okay? This is a picture. You know, we, we go in with bitterness. We come out with sweetness. We go in with, with hurt. You know, we, we go in with... With pain and injustice, we go in with all these things and we come out with the authority and power to heal. Ah. So we're just getting started with this. This is good. (laughs) Going back to John chapter 2, again, he's come out of the desert. He's got his 12 disciples there and he comes to a moment where it's not yet his time and Mary. Okay, this is the this is the cool part. Mary, her name is Bitter. All right, I need to pause for a second. Um, you guys know the news that John announced last night that Tiffany's dad passed. Um, you know he had the cancer that came quick, came swift. We fought. They fought hard. And it 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 uh, it's a grievous thing, but at the same time, there's a peace that he talked about. He's like, I want you guys to see my face. We're good. Go back and look at it, you know, if you want to on Facebook. You know, what John is revealing to you all is his soul is good, and that is what Jesus has done for all of us. There's peace that we can all have, knowing that the victory really is already won for Barry and for all of us. Barry was a champion, and he is a champion. Uh, Mike and Gerilyn, you know, their brother-in-law uh, passed from, um, from MSA uh, a week and a half ago, and in the same kind of way, you know, you guys have fought, um, and, and think about y'all's faithfulness to be a witness to him in the end. It brought him eternal life. Yes. <laughs> God. Thank you, guys, for that faithfulness. Remember these stories. Remember the time that we're in in this church. You know, we've been facing all kinds of stuff. It's been like a cruddy season, season of, of sickness. We've been going through some personal stuff with friends and, and those within the city that is just grievous. And, and, and things look at times like just bitter everywhere. I mean, you guys know what we're talking about. If you, if you open up your eyes too wide and look around you, and you're like, ah, oh, there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot going on in our nation, and, and it can look overwhelming. Where do we focus our eyes It's really important in this time. And so let's focus our eyes right now into this text because it's, it's powerful. It's, it's so powerful. What I believe happens here at Cana when new wine is about to be poured out. Jesus is there. Mary is there. Who's missing? We know at the end of this story that Jesus is on a cross and he looks to John and he says, Mary, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. That was something that an eldest brother would do to ensure the care of his mother when there was no father. Jesus had lost Joseph sometime before his ministry began. Jesus had watched his dad die, okay? Jesus was there knowing that he was called to be the savior of the world, the Messiah, the chosen one where the anointing, the Holy Spirit would rest upon him. and He was going to perform works that for the rest of creation would shake the foundations. And to this day, they continue to be shaken. He established a new covenant, a new kingdom, he knew that that was his calling. Knew that it was his life, and for a season, because it was not yet his time, he could do nothing for his dad. And he had to watch him die. His son, his father Joseph, by all accounts was a righteous man. He listened to the voice of the Lord, as it said in Exodus 15. Remember, he he took Mary as a bride through the dream, and then he took Jesus to Egypt through a dream that the angel Gabriel told him to go. And then, out of Egypt, he was told again in a dream to come back to Israel. He was faithful. We don't know what happened in the meantime. But by all accounts, he was a good and righteous man. And so what happened to Joseph was illegal, in my, in my view. It, it should not have happened. There should not have been death at that young of an age, in my opinion, in that. As I think we have seen with, with Barry and, ed- and others. And so what do we do with that? And I think what I want to point out in this passage is, is exactly what we do with that. For Jesus is there, but also Mary's there. Mary is Mary's at a wedding without her husband. Okay. Mary's at a wedding without her husband. Mary, whose name is bitter, is at a wedding without her husband. What do you think she's thinking of? Okay. What what do you think what what do you think was on her heart at, at a wedding? Do you think that she was remembering back at when she was betrothed, when she was to be married? Remember she didn't have a wedding. Before she was to have her wedding day, there was a year-long time period in that time where you were betrothed, and during that betrothal time, you were there to see if it was going to work out, and then you would have the, the consummation, you would have the wedding feast, and, and they never got that because Mary was impregnated beforehand by the Holy Spirit to conceive the child of God. So they had to flee. They had to, essentially, they had to go down to Bethlehem, and then they had to flee after that. And so they were ostracized by all accounts in Nazareth, and so they never returned there. You know, they, they stayed in Bethlehem and then they came back. Mary was at a wedding that she was never able to have, in my opinion. And she's there thinking about her husband, I'm guessing. I'm just trying to put some context possibly to this. And she goes to Jesus, knowing that this is the man now who's come out of the desert with power from on high. Uh, knowing that this man now, her son, is the reason why they suffered all that they suffered. And she turns to him. You know, and, and, and instead of making anything about herself, what did she ask for? She asked that you would take the water and turn it into wine. Wine is a symbol of gladness, a symbol of joy. Not only was Mary not embittered, she had spent her whole life with Jesus storing up the word of God within her. She wanted to release joy that she wasn't able to have. That, I believe, is what turned the heart of God Jesus to go for that miracle before his time. That's how I see the scriptures in that. I see one who had been willing to sit in the middle of bitterness and let her own you know hurt of being rejected, of being misunderstood, of being miscast as a deviant, as being miscast as an adulteress, to the point where she could have been stoned. She had this honoring husband who covered over her, who was taken from her at an early age. She had every reason to be bitter, but she held on to the word of God. She held on to who Jesus was. You guys remember what Simeon told Mary when she went to the temple to dedicate him? Simeon was a prophet who said that, before you die, you will see the Savior come. And so when Jesus came into the temple, he looked and, oh, my eyes have seen salvation upon this child the rising and fall of many shall come and a sword will pierce your side your soul to Mary not only did Mary know that in saying yes to this miracle and wanting to give gladness and joy to this couple that she couldn't have herself this is going to cost her she had been pierced in the soul by the the loss of Joseph I'm sure like like any of us would like Deb, like Tiffany, like all of us when we lose someone that's close and she was going to willingly do it again because she knew who was this man, Jesus. Yeah. Ah, The heart of Mary in this. This heart releases the first sign that was going to be the beginning of a ministry that was going to change the world. From a heart of a woman who saw the glory of God before any man did, in my opinion, and was able to take her bitterness and as a, as a prophetic symbol, renew bitterness into sweetness in the end. Uh, this is our God. And out of that, then, Jesus released his healing miracle. He went all the way through to Lazarus. Lazarus means God is with us, or God is on our side, or God is my helper. And the Mary, the, 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 the sister of, of, uh, of Lazarus, is able to see this salvation, to see the healing of, of her of her. Brother, And then Mary, you know, the, the one who had been a prostitute or been demonized, uh, she was the first to be able to run and tell everyone. You know, I mean, like, the, the, this is what Jesus does. And so we as a body, we as a church, we have every reason now to run into the wilderness. Blessed are you, blessed is my, my daughter, blessed are you, my son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now go out there in the wilderness, let's tackle this bitterness that's there. Let's go after these fears, let's show the devil that this word cannot be understood and it's not gonna be stopped and you are gonna be whole and you are gonna be healed and because of what you have done, you are gonna have authority to release our Jesus to bring about his kingdom everywhere you go. You are the vessels that turn bitterness into sweetness. That's within you. That's the Jesus that is within you. That's what unlocks his heart everywhere you go. And so what is all the point of this? Is As you do this, you position your heart To be one who can intercede for the things that you yourself have not even yet received. Mary was going to have to anticipate her great wedding feast, just like Jesus was. Jesus, you know, he came from parents who didn't have it, and then he himself wasn't going to have it because he didn't have his bride, and he's not going to have his bride until he comes back. And so the two of them combined knew that they were never going to taste this wedding wine on earth. Even in things, friends, that you haven't yet tasted here on earth, can you step into and pray for others? This week we've experienced a a, a difficult thing. Can we step in, even today, and go after it for others when we haven't yet seen it? Can we believe for this house, for this city, for things that we haven't yet experienced ourselves, but know that as we tackle this and make it sweet in our own life, it's going to happen. So I want to, there's there's obviously a release that's going on right now. It's good. I want to activate this. So I'm going to ask us to have two different times of prayer right now. I'm going to ask, within each of these two groups, there's going to be two different people groups. Are you guys ready for it? All right. Anyone in here struggling with cancer or a loved one that has cancer that you are fighting for? Stand up, please. Anyone? Okay. Anyone that you have a, as a loved one? Oh, this is going to be good, guys. All right. And the second group that I want to stand. If you yourself have faced what seems like defeat, the loss of a loved one, at any point in your life, and you haven't yet seen that healing yet, it's your turn to stand up. i ask you to stand up if you've tasted the defeat of a loved one who has lost been lost from cancer, and I want you to activate your Mary faith for all of us in this room. The first group, if you would, hold up your hand. And the second group, would you come alongside and pray? And we're going to release healing and ask the Lord to bring healing. If you guys would, just spread out in this room just for a moment. <clears throat> so the second group, anyone who has... It's tasted what seems like defeat. You were praying for someone, and they weren't able to see the fullness of that healing victory in the physical body here on earth. They got the fullness of healing through Jesus and salvation. I want you to come alongside those that had their hands up. So Keep your hands up. If you see someone that has a hand up that hasn't yet come alongside, please. All right, one over here. There's one back over there. If you wouldn't mind, someone coming alongside, and we're going to lay hands and pray healing. Okay. All right. I'm going I'm to initiate us off, and then we're going to pray for a couple of minutes. And you guys, pray like Mary. Pray like Mary right now, Father. Right now, we know who you are, Jesus. We know what your promises are. We know that you've given us the kingdom. It was your good pleasure. We know that all authority in the heaven and on earth has been given to you. We know Jesus that you are a healer. That you have taken all sickness and healing upon, uh, sickness upon yourself. And so right now Lord, with that authority and, and with us Lord who have seen our own bitterness turn into sweet waters we release healing. We ask that you would bring healing to every cancer right now in this room and by extension, every loved one in this room that has been struggling with cancer. Right now, Lord, we are stepping into the same faith that Mary had. She saw it from afar. She saw gladness. She saw 120 to 150 gallons of joy poured out at a wedding that she herself was not able to taste in full. She had taken her bitterness and turned it into such sweet water that your son Jesus was so moved before his time that he released his ministry knowing that it would pierce his own mother's soul and also put him on the cross. Lord, I just release this healing right now upon every one of us. I command cancer away from this body. I command all illness away from this body. I command cancer away by proxy, by everyone right now who is believing in faith for a loved one. Right now, I command it out of their body. I command right now that cancer right now to recognize the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus the healing power of Jesus to bring his kingdom into every person's body that needs that in the name of Jesus right now. Cancer must bow. Cancer must flee. Cancer must dissolve at his name. Jesus, you are the one that gets all the glory for this. It is your power through the Holy Spirit that this is released. It is what you have taken for us on the cross, Lord, and I'm grateful to you. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Keep praying, friends. Just press in just a little bit longer. Thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for this, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, Father, Lord. Ah. All right, friends, this is good. This is good. Thank you all for this. We're going we're gonna to transition to a second group now. I, I, this has been in my heart now for several weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. The second one's for, for marriages. If you want to take your marriage from an 8 to a 10, if you want to take it from a 1 to a 4, If you're engaged and you want to get set up, I want you to receive the blessing of Mary today, okay? And so for those in that situation, you, know, you want to go from an 8 to a 10, a 1 to a 4, wherever you are in between, if you're engaged to be married, I ask that you would stand up. That should be a lot. <laughs> that's health. That's hunger. Hunger will be satisfied. We're going to have the most outstanding marriages yeah. in the city. Yeah. <clears throat> the second group that I want to stand up, there's going to be a lot here. We might have to just pray in, in tandem. The second group that I want to stand up, uh, those who, when you were a kid, you didn't see your parents' marriages healed or whole, I want you to stand up. Or if you yourself have experienced a, a, a marriage that, that just it didn't make it. it, it was not what you had wanted it to be. I want, I want you to be also in this. You guys are, are our Marys right now, okay? The first group, if you would, raise your hand. We may just have to, because there's wonderfully a lot of y'all. If y'all would, the second group, if you would come alongside, and I, I want you to press into it. That which you have not yet seen, or maybe that which you already overcame, I want you to now step into as well. And with that same blessing of Mary, I want you to release this over all the couples that are in here. Are you ready for it? Okay, Father, right now, Lord, you're the, the great symbol that your Son Jesus came to show us of what heaven on earth is going to be like as a wedding feast. And to, to, to bring it about, you release new wine. And so over every marriage right now in here, Lord, I just released new wine, the new wine of your kingdom, and also the promise of the new wine skin of their souls being redeemed and renewed according to sweet waters. That the old bitter thinking, the old bitter ways, the old bitter feelings now must die and they must pass. That time has come. That time is at end because the new wineskin of a soul that's able to take on fresh wine, fresh hope, believing the best in your spouse, seeing them according to the spirit, no longer according to the flesh, seeing them according to the finished work of Jesus Christ mature in them, shining, radiant, mature, wise, self-controlled, Hopeful, joyful, at peace, gentle and quiet, still and hopeful, full of righteousness in every single action. I will release this upon all the spouses in this room, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. I ask that Mary's prayer of joy and hope be now established as foundations in every marriage in this Room And in this congregation, now and forever, in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we release this over the Queen's City, the the Queen's City right now, Lord. That this be a place where the king comes back with his new wine and establishes now new thinking, your kingdom thinking, Lord, of emotions, Lord, of the mind and of the will, so that we can have your fullness here on earth, Lord, without measure, according to uh, Ephesians 4, Lord, that we would be this church. I thank you for this, Lord. Ah, thank you for this, Jesus, Lord. We need wisdom for this, Lord. I release wisdom to reign here in life over these couples, Lord, over all marriages, Lord, but also for all of us, Lord. And so for everyone in this room, Lord, married or unmarried, Lord, I release and ask for this new wine to be given, God. I ask and release, Lord, for every single person in this room, Lord, that wisdom to reign here on life now be given, that there is no longer any poverty spirit concerning their emotions, their thoughts, the wisdom that they have, and even how their soul is managed that is no longer allowed in this house and is broken off in the name of Jesus. You can accomplish everything that the Lord has destined for you now and forever in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you for your people here and their participation. They have been activated in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, uh, thank you for this, Lord. All right, friends, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Okay. Uh, all right. I think that's a good way to start, for me. Uh, in the in the days ahead, there are there is going to be a rolling out. And, and, uh, and some time of just going through how we, how we process things like wilderness into the promised land, into the deep oceans of our own soul. I hope you experience today that you can walk in those waters confidently and then the Lord is going to be there for you. I want to encourage you to be courageous to spend time with Jesus and let him open up every room of your mansion. There's nothing too scary with Jesus. You're going to see pictures on walls and you know that they're there, but he will renew those pictures when you sit with him. He'll show you where he is. The Father will show you where he is. The Spirit will show you where he is. And you've got now time to flip the pictures, okay? To open up those rooms and the windows in those rooms, to let the air in, the sunshine in, to remove the burns, to let the heaviness now go. This is your time to do that. Spend time with Jesus through this. I want to encourage you and implore you to do this. Here in these times, we could come together on Sundays and we're going to get filled. Friday nights, we're going to get filled. These are precious times. I've been seeing it for years. Experiencing this place is precious in the Lord. Take it now and plow it into the soul of your heart in the quiet time, in the secret space at home. That's the place where transformation stays. That's where healing, therefore, is established. And it is only in that place that it will happen. And so that's on you now. Go and do that with the blessing of Jesus, because as you do, you become sweet water for all the city to see and to take.